chapter number 33. And what a privilege. Thank you, Brother Lejeune, for, for asking me to come. And, and I love the preachers of Connecticut and born and raised here most of my life. And I just, just want to see God just uh, raise up more and more churches and, and all across to every, every town to have more churches and uh, every section of every town to have uh, fundamental Baptist churches that believe the King James Bible and winning the lost and teaching folks to live holy lives and, and to be godly men and women, husbands and wives, moms and dads, and uh, children uh, being trained up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, thank God for the privilege of uh, just working alongside uh, here, your church and other churches all across this uh, southern Connecticut region to try to reach our area for Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 33. How many of you are familiar? Just raise your hand if you've heard this one. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You've ever heard that in your life? Just raise your hand. Keep it up for just a second. So it's probably, you probably heard it before, maybe more than once. And if you're a brand new Christian, maybe it's new to you. Uh, but uh, it'll be something that uh, you could take with you uh, tonight. One of the verses... But I want us to read verse 1 through 3, Jeremiah 33, verse 1 through 3, and look at where he is at the time of this verse number 3. And let's do this. Let's read verse 1 through 3 out loud uh, together uh, here with me. Ready? Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the Maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is His name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The message, if you call it a Bible study or message or revival, whatever you want to call it here, uh, is, is simply this, God's power in our prison. What prison, don't say out loud, but what prison are you in tonight? Thinking of Brother Barra with his cancer. Uh, I had a temporary cancer for, I don't know how many months I actually had it, but uh, in this, you see this thumb looks kind of normal. This thumb looks, there's, there's no nail there because I had cancer. and It was a, uh, a uh, tissue cancer, fibromyxosarcoma. And so it was a temporary, but it sure was a scary year. Mm-hmm. And the surgeries were successful, and as far as I know, there's no more... Cancer, of course, they took half of my thumb in the process, but, uh, uh, but no more cancer. And that was a temporary prison for me, for sure. Uh, what prison are you in tonight? It might be where you're here in church, but your wife, she's not going to touch this church from ten miles away. And maybe that's your prison. Or maybe you're divorced and you wish you were still together, and that's a, a dark prison. Maybe you're lonely tonight, uh, uh, abandoned by a family, and that's a, a prison you're in. Maybe at, at the job where you go tomorrow to work, you, you are a Christian, and you're, as Brother Lejeune said, we all should be not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, amen? And you're not ashamed of it, and you're not going to hide your faith. If someone asks you if you know the Lord, you're going to testify and so forth, and, and they're not too happy with it, to say the least, Right? And you, uh, you may be mistreated, maybe not brought that promotion where maybe you should have because of the fact that you're a happy Christian and they're miserable. It's usually the way it works, huh? And 
that's your that's a prison that you're in. Because you got to clock in tomorrow and the next day, you know, and not to, not Sunday, <laughs> but uh, the next Monday, and uh, right to be in church tomorrow. Uh, but uh, you got to clock in Monday and you in the next day, and it's it's a prison you check into. So so whatever the there's a myriad, a million things it could be that is a prison for you. It might be a health situation. Uh, it might be uh, something from your past that. Although God has brought you through it and out of it and so forth, it's still something that will never leave you. It's a, a prison that you're in. And Jeremiah was in a prison when God gave him this incredible promise in verse number 3. By the way, it wasn't, you know, your local prison with televisions and, you know, uh, what, what would you like on the menu for your lunch and supper? And, and, and no, this was a dungeon. This was, you know, rats. This was This was a... A, a terrible place uh, that's beyond description where men were left to die. And in that prison, the Bible says, call unto me and I'll answer thee. God was giving Jeremiah a, a promise in that prison. Think about that for a moment. God's power is demonstrated in our lives many times in our prison experiences. In other words, God answers our prayers. God teaches us lessons God draws close to us. God meets our needs. God uses us to influence others for Christ. And God does a million other different miraculous things in our lives while we're in our prison. You know, the typical Christian response to these prisons is, well, you know, we'll get, and don't get me wrong, we want Brother Vara to get, you know, it's cancer free, right? We want that. You know, don't get me wrong, we want to get to the point where, you know, maybe we're promoted to a job where, we don't have so much trouble, right? You know, and we want that, but you know, many times God just keeps us in that prison. And the world, the Christian world, says many times, you know, when we get to the end, then everything will be okay. But how long have you had that cancer, brother? Um, three years ago, it, it, it occurred, uh, and that was I dealt with it for a year, and I've been dealing with it for a year and a half now. Yeah. So if it was, you know, next week it's going to be gone, and, and if. If that's the case, you know, then we'll all celebrate. And how about the last three years, right? Where God's kept them there. And to teach them, mold them, and use them in a mighty way. And, uh, and same with Jeremiah in this prison. I'm thinking of my wife has had health issues and different things for many years. And I just, I want to solve it. I want to fix it. I mean, it's my wife. I want to just somehow fix this thing. But for the last 10, 15 years, God said, we're going to keep you in this prison. And you know, this morning is an example. She was going to go soul winning. And uh, she was going to take some ladies with her and do this, do all these different things. But but uh, uh, she couldn't uh, do that. And you know, I want to fix those things for her. But many times God just says, I'm going to, give you my presence, give you some more promises in that. And so she's praying for the other people that are out sowing and witnessing and doing all those things throughout this day and going and uh, doing the things that they like to do for the Lord. And God is powerful in her prison, answering her prayers. And so two fellas, EMT or EMS, I guess you call them, emergency medical service people, in their ambulance, um, waiting for a call, as they do, you know, park in a parking lot and wait for their call to go some emergency, uh, were able to be led to Christ 
And I believe with all my heart it's because of the prayers of people like her in her prison that those two men got saved today. Amen? Amen. And uh, so I'm kind of getting ahead of the message here. But uh, God does those things and performs His power uh, in our prisons. What prison are you in tonight? We all have them, one time or another. Every one of us has prisons or maybe a prison that we have to deal with uh, all throughout our life. Different prisons that God allows us to be in so that He can be showing Himself high and mighty in our life. Let me give you a few if you want to take a couple of notes down. Number one, a little note about this thing is God remembers us in our prison. I love that. God remembers us in our prison. God remembered Jeremiah. How about, how about Noah? How about Noah in his prison? Say, Noah in prison? On a boat? What was it, 450? I don't know all the specs. Come on, theologians, help me out. Is it 450 feet, something like that, Brother Dave? Uh, he's the theologian here, right? But, uh, and uh, was it 75 feet tall, something like that? 80, 90, I don't know, something like that. And uh, pretty wide too, right? Brother Jay, what, 45, 50, something like that, some people say. And uh, that was their prison. Imagine being on an ark, this boat, not knowing how long it's going to take place, this, this flood, the world's uh, being destroyed by a flood. It's you, your wife, it's your sons, the three sons, their wives. I was talking to my wife about this recently. What if maybe there was even a baby on the way on that ark? I don't know. Born later after, I don't know. Um, uh, and that on the ark and, and all those animals on the ark and having to feed them all and take care of all that stuff and... That sounds kind of like a prison to me. Doesn't it sound like that to you? And then what was it? Uh, over a year, they're stuck on this ark, not knowing where they're going to land, how they're going to survive this world catastrophe. And they trusted in the Lord, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, notice Genesis in your Bible, chapter 8, verse 1, thinking about Noah. That certainly was a prison, for sure. If you will, a place they were trapped in. They couldn't get out, if you will. And of course, it was in God's safety. They were protected from drowning in the flood, but that certainly wasn't a very comfortable place they were in. A prison, if you will. And here they've been on the ark for a long, long time. And verse 24 of chapter 7 says, Genesis chapter 7, verse 24, "...and the waters prevailed upon the earth." And 150 days, that's a long time, and God remembered Noah. So, you're like this brother here. I like that brother, he likes the Patriots. But uh, this brother over here, driving down the road, and that could become a prison, can't it? You know, got to get to the next stop, trying to get the sleep I need. And Maybe you're on the job and you're doing some office job or some job in the factory, and, and, uh, and you just want to... Get to the end of the shift because you're tired, you're weary, you've got responsibilities to your family and to your God and your church and your community and, and you take those uh, responsibilities seriously and, and you're tired and you're worn out and, and these things become a prison. Let's be reminded that God remembered Noah and God will remember you. Amen? God remembers you in your prison. He really does. Another thing to think about tonight is this, that God gives us promises 
in his prison. If you are still got a finger or somewhere, a bookmark in Jeremiah 33.3, that was the story here where God was in his prison, Jeremiah. God was telling him, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now for Jeremiah, God had given him some promises that would later on be fulfilled even after his lifetime. And God would deliver the Israelites and God would deliver the Jews and God would uh, bless and revive them once again. Jeremiah, this God was judging the Israelites in this time. That's one of the reasons Jeremiah was in prison. But God gave him a promise of things to come. And God may be giving you a promise of things to come in your prison, whatever you're dealing with tonight. Another thing to think about, In our prisons, God's power in our prison. Number three is God uses us in our prison. And thank God that He uses us even in our tough times, even in our prisons, our sorrows, losing a lost loved one. That's another prison. How many lost a loved one, maybe a close relative, maybe a brother or sister in this church that you loved, a dear friend, uh, but somebody close to you has died in, say, the last three or four years. Raise your hand. Last three or four years, I know myself. Uh, my wife's mother died a couple of years ago, and, and uh, some loved ones of ours died. Some other relatives, some other uh, dear friends have died in just the last short few years. And it's a prison. It's a prison of grief. And God wants to use us in a mighty way in those prisons. Not after the prison's over, although He wants to use us then, but He wants to use us now in the prisons that God ordains for our life. How about Paul in his prisons? Much of his ministry for the Lord was in the prison, wasn't it? Different prisons. Actual prisons. Paul was used mightily. Where did, as a matter of fact, we're in Jeremiah, but later on we'll go into some passages where that God used him by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write down the Word of God, and God used him to pen the Scriptures many times in what is prison. Scriptures that we're going to actually partake of tonight, God used Paul to put down those Scriptures while he was in those prisons. It makes me think of a man named Lester Roloff, great preacher from many years ago. And uh, I think he died in the 80s. Anybody know? Uh, but quite a long time ago, but a great preacher. You can hear him on different radio broadcasts even today from Texas. A great preacher. But he was thrown in prison more than, more than once for his faith in Jesus Christ and just being a preacher of the Gospel. And uh, what a strong faith he had. And God used him mightily uh, in preaching the Gospel and ministries in his church and in his community and even across our country. But how about Paul in prison? Putting down scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 16. Look at something else God used Paul to do in his prison. Romans chapter 16 tonight. And so it's not a glamorous message, you know, where glitzy and it's actually pretty sobering. It's all about our prisons. Uh, but let's just face it, you ever, you ever been in the meantime? You know, when I get that job, it's going to be great, the better job that I'm looking for. But in the meantime, right? Isn't honestly most of life, you know, when, you know, maybe when one day God gives me children, maybe you like to have children, maybe you like to get married one day, young person. And, you know, in the meantime, isn't much of life? 
You know, we preachers, when we get this next ministry, right, Brother Lejeune, next ministry, next ministry, next ministry, and much of life is in the meantime, right? You know, the children's ministry, Brother Dave, you know? Well, one day we're going to do something with the children's ministry, whatever it is. The meantime, right? Much of life is is in the meantime. And, um, and so look at Romans chapter 16, verse number 7. In the meantime, Paul is encouraging his fellow prisoners. Instead of just surviving the prison, here he is encouraging other fellow prisoners for their faith. Look at verse 7, Romans 16, verse 7. Let's read that out loud together here. Ready? Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Here he is saluting these fellow prisoners in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you know the story of the Philippian jailer. And I love that. that just every time I hear it, it never gets old. It's such a miracle. And how God delivered them and so forth. But let's go to that story. They were in a prison. Paul was and his friend Silas, brother in the Lord. Let's go to Acts chapter 16. And look at this real life story in history. Acts 16, verse 16. So these are all ways God is using Paul in his prison or his in the meantime and how God wants to use us as teenagers, young men, middle-aged men, older men, whatever the case may be, how God wants to use us in our prisons. Acts chapter 16, verse number 16, we kind of pick up the story here. It says, and it came to pass, <clears throat> and it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Verse 18 And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. He came out the same hour. When her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Would you say that they're in a little bit of a pickle here? Right? Not a fun day. Not a family vacation. Right? Verse number 21, And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Verse 22, And the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, Having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. And so, would you say tonight they're in a prison, a tough situation, a, a very dark place in their life. So here we pick up the famous part where Paul and Silas are in the prison, verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Well, that's, that's God using us right there, isn't it? Using us to, to pray in our prison as, as, as opposed to complaining and and uh, saying, God, where are you? I'm just rejecting you. Uh, they're praying to God, doing what they should, and talking to God about their situation. And it doesn't stop there. It says, and saying praises unto God. God is really using them, isn't He? 
He's using them to sing praises in the prison. Uh, imagine how that's impacting the other prisoners who are cursing, who are swearing, who are cursing God, who are just, they're not singing praises to God. And, verse, and then it says, and the prisoners heard them, verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? God is using them in the prison, wouldn't you say? And then it goes on to say, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this verse. And thou shalt be saved. And hey, bring all the family in. And thy house. And then look at verse number 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes and was baptized. He in all his straight way. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. God wants to use us, God's power in our prison. And God wants to do that in every life, every man. God wants to raise up more and more men of God. What a great group of men here tonight. God wants to raise up more and more men in our communities, in our churches. Uh, to serve the Lord and be the men of God, uh, whether you're a pastor or a plumber or whatever God has for you to do, for God to use you to be that man of God that He would have you to be. And to be a godly example. Uh, if you're married, to be a godly husband. If you're a father, to be a godly father. A good example to those children in your home. And to be a man of God as you come into church tomorrow. And walk in with your Bible in your hand and, and, uh, and with the joy of the Lord in your heart. And you sing praises unto God in the church house tomorrow, unashamedly. And you're a testimony. And you tell the pastor, what can I do around this place if you're new here? And if you're not new here and you're involved, uh, just say, Lord, uh, what would you have me to do as I serve in whatever ministry I'm doing? And you uh, let God use you in your prison because you might be in the church house tomorrow, but there's still those prisons in your life as we start another week. As it's a new year, 2017, and allow God to use you in a mighty way. Number four, we'll finish up with this one. So God remembers us. Don't forget that. God remembers us in our prison no matter how deep the valley, no matter how dark it is. God remembers us. Like you remember Noah. God gives us promises. We didn't spend much time on that, but there's promises by the hundreds to claim in the Bible as you study it and read it each and every day. God uses us. And then lastly, God humbles us in our prison. Let's say that out loud together. Ready? God humbles us in our prison. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride just destroys us, whether it's whether it's pride of, you know, nobody can mess with me, or it's the pride of self-pity that I can't do anything for God. Both of them are dangerous. Uh, but, but pride just, it just tears down everything we're trying to do for God. And God has a way, doesn't He, of 
if we'll allow Him, of humbling us in our prisons. Don't raise your hand, but do you fast and pray? If you do that on a regular basis as the Lord leads you to do it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One thing I love about prayer and fasting is, I know with me, it humbles me in a big way. Because I love doing what we just did upstairs a little while ago. Amen? I love eating. And uh, it just drains you and you get the, you know, kind of the fever brow sometimes. Everybody's got different effects sometimes. It's just the stomach growls, the whole world can hear it or whatever it is. Or, but it humbles you. Makes you weak. And when we're vulnerable and we're weak, in other words, when we're in a prison, God can look down and humble us and bless us. God doesn't use someone filled with pride. And uh, let's look at an illustration of that in Genesis chapter number 39. You remember Joseph? Remember Joseph in the Bible? Talk about being humbled. Oh my. Time and time again. He was humbled. Maybe that's one reason God used him in such an incredible way to help deliver the entire Jewish race. Genesis chapter 39. You mind if we read that chapter together? All right. And uh, I'll read a little bit and then join me a little bit later. Just think about this story. How many of you know how Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, hated by his brothers. That was a humbling experience. Thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. That's, That's a prison, right? That pit was a prison. Having his brothers all against him, that was a prison. But let's pick it up here, um, where he's being brought down into uh, Egypt. And look at uh, Genesis chapter 39, verse number 1, where the Bible says, I'll read a few of these verses, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. I love that part of the verse right there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand. So here he's being promoted. He's being elevated. He's being given some things to be accountable for. Verse 5, And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and all over, over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in, his, in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. If anybody ought to not have a prison, it's him, right? He's doing everything right, seems like. But no, God's got some prisons for him here. Verse 7, It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. She said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Would you say that's a prison? Huh? Wow, that's a prison. He's in a very tough situation. Verse 9, There is none greater in this house than I, Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
And let's read verse 10 through uh, 15 out loud together. Ready? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought unto an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. So here is, this is happening to him, and this is the boss's wife. This is a prison. On top of a prison. On top of a prison. Look at verse 16. She laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. It came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. He was there in the prison. Talk about a humbling experience. But thank God for verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Amen this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time it is. God was with Joseph. Never left him. He's allowing him to be humble. Verse 22, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And then verse 23 says, The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Many of you know the story how he was elevated again and again and again, but that's not the story tonight. Tonight it's God humbles us in our prison. It's humbling to go to the doctor time and time and time again. I was with some men at the table tonight, just a little bit older than me, just a few years, and some of the senior saints here, right guys? And tonight at that table, and uh, we're joking, which oh, this guy was, I forgot his name, was, was joking about what's, what the things we talk about, the doctor's visits, the different things and all the things we got to do, right? But... Uh, uh, but you know, uh, those are prisons, aren't they? And they humble a person, don't they? You know, 46 years old, I'm just still young, right? we got to get the... You know, if you haven't had glasses your whole life, it's humbling, isn't it? You go in there. I go in there the other day. I've never used... No, no glasses. 2020. It's now 2030. Woe is me, right? But uh, it's still pretty good. But he says, you know, you put these glasses on and just put them on. You'll see, you'll see how much... They just want the insurance money, all right? Uh, you'll see. Yeah, you just give me a bunch of glasses, right? Yeah, I'll give you every kind of glass you want. But uh, and uh, look how it works. And so I'm taking them at nighttime and driving down the road, and it does help a little bit. But it's humbling, isn't it? Huh? And the guy had to say also after that he said something about two years from now maybe you get bifocals. And I'm thinking, I want to punch the guy in the nose, right? But but anyhow, it's humbling, isn't it? What is it for you? What is, what is your prison? 
What is your prison? And we praise the Lord when God takes us out of the prisons. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for heaven because we'll be out of every prison we've ever been in. Somebody say hallelujah tonight. Thank God. In the meantime, we're going to have prisons. And let's allow God to show His presence in our lives. He remembers us no matter what we go through. And let's understand tonight, be reminded tonight that God gives us promises. So many times He gives us those promises in our prisons like Jeremiah. And let's allow God to use us in our prison. My uh, mother was from Massachusetts. My father grew up here in Connecticut. In Massachusetts, it used to be called Taxachusetts, right? And, um, uh, but Connecticut, I guess, has taken over on that, something. But, uh, and it's hard to just make ends meet, right? Just trying to simply put food on the table, it is a prison for most of us. And let's allow God to use us through those prisons. And then let's allow God to humble us. There's a brochure that that a lady gave me today as we're out visiting and going person to person, soul winning and making different visits this morning with some of the men and some of the families in the church. We do what all good Baptists do after soul winning. We went to eat. And uh, so we found a Burger King and, and we went and... And we're done. I mean, you know, when you're done and you're tired and you're hungry, you want to go take a nap or you want to go get some other things done or whatever. And But God wasn't done yet. God had a lady just across the way. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, just give her a tract. No, don't. I'm sure glad I did. I'm sure glad I did, even though the sowing time was over. I'm, sure, I'm so glad I did. This lady went to the inauguration yesterday. Down in Washington, D.C. No doubt. She's got some really good stories. She had, I don't know how she got these seats, but she did. She'd get close, close-up seats. She's just a citizen of, of I think, uh, West Haven or something. New Haven. But she pulls this out of her bag. It's a John and Romans. How many ever heard of Bearing Precious Seed? You know, in Ohio and all that. It's got Bearing Precious Seed. Seed Line International. I think your church has done the Seed Line stuff, right? You know, where you take the Bibles and fold them and staple them, all that business. And then it's got these other ministries on the back, hope ministries and different things on the back. And um, somebody, I don't know who, but somebody yesterday was handing out John and Romans to the people as they're coming into the inauguration. And you know, that lady was telling me about some prisons in her life. She's not yet saved. So she's in the biggest prison She's a child of the devil. Until we get saved, we're a child of Satan. We get saved, we become a child of God. Amen? When we get born again. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior tonight, you're not sure that you know you're going to heaven. See Brother Lejeune, see Brother Jay, see somebody so they can share with you how you can get out of that prison and have eternal life. But this lady, she's in all kinds of prisons in her family, all kinds of things she was sharing with me. And I'm sure glad that while I had a burger in my mouth, as the Spirit just said, yeah, yeah, give it, give her one, give her a tract. Sure glad, because she gave this to me, and here I am with another guy in the church, Bill, at the table at Burger King, and she's saying to me, what is this? This It says it's marked edition. Don't you love it when they do those kind of things, right? It's a marked edition. Oh, well, let me explain to you what this marked edition means. 
And there's a little mark by all the pages in Romans and so forth that explain how to know Jesus as your Savior. And we got to take it all through the whole plan of salvation. And I'm sure glad. Sure glad for that hour after lunch as family members and other brothers in the Lord are all patiently or impatiently waiting for me after lunch as I'm sharing the Gospel with her. I'm so glad uh, that the Gospel works anywhere, anytime, any place, and let God use you and humble you and and uh, remind you of His presence and bless you in your prisons of life. Let's bow our heads, if you would, please.